Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com and we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. So welcome to the Apple special event, October 30th, the day before Halloween. We had a live event from Apple in the uh, Brooklyn area, Brooklyn Academy of Music at Howard Gilman Opera House. It was banging. It started out with an ode to New York that was super cool. And I kind of missed a little bit of it. I'm just taking the note that was there from Tim. So Tim, why was it so cool? Why was this ode to New York City so cool to you? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm a lover of New York City. Of course. Because, because the city is just like... I don't know. I guess people like me romanticize what New York City is. The, mm. the 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 feel that you have in in the city and the different sites of it and I feel like that that first video really did a good job of of playing to that um and kind of setting the stage basically of the fact that this event took place in New York. I can't disagree. Jerry, we were recently in New York together, man, last November, actually. Uh, so mm -hmm. close to this time frame, too, which is, in my opinion, I've that was my first time to New York City, so I have to say it was the best time to go because the weather was so perfectly better than it would have been in Texas, which is typically humid and hot, at least here in Houston. I don't know about Omaha for you. I know you kind of get colder there, but for me, it was a familiar change because of the missing of the fall air. I'm, I'm typically a Northeastern. I was from still am from pittsburgh pennsylvania so for me it was like going home but to new york city and november it's just before the thanksgiving holidays so you got all this stuff happening and the city definitely is a magical place and it made me feel like i can be a better creative just being in the city alone like the, <laughs> the city has this beat this hum this buzz this vibe that just speaks to creatives and what better way to kick off this kind of thing for Apple than to do it in New York where you would introduce brand new Macs and new iPad Pros and all this new stuff that's for creatives, you know? Well, here's yeah. one reason why I think maybe it wasn't the best for creatives because... Oh. Always bringing it, Jerry. I love it. Always, always bringing the other side. <laughs> always. Because mm -hmm. 9 a.m. Central, which has to be minus one minus... That's 7 a.m. Pacific time. I mean... Creatives want to sleep. You know, we like our <laughs> coffee in the morning. We like to ease into the day. Mm -hmm. Not claiming, sure. I'm not claiming. I know what everybody's like, but I'm just saying uh, our chat room was a little quieter than usual. I think that's because people are just kind of getting ready for their day, and then it's like, bam, Apple event right there, first thing. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> um, I think I'm it's more of a morning departure. person than you are, Adam, and and uh, you were here 9 a.m. ready ready to listen. So I'm. I'm guessing you had to set an alarm or, or at least think about getting up. What was your what was your routine? I just had to speed up my morning routine, really. I'm, I'm up early. I'm just not ready to work until like 10, 9.30, 10. You know, that's when my voice warms up. That's when my brain warms up. I need at least an hour to boot. Uh, it takes me a bit to get to full capacity. But today, you know, I, I went to I went to bed earlier last night than my norm, which is good. And I woke up, uh, I don't know, like eight-ish, I guess. So I guess it's a little earlier for me, but it was worth it because, I mean, for one, we're at this call prepared. We had some notes in the background, which was great. 
We had live Apple nerds hashtag uh, channel in Slack. So if you're listening to this uh, either now live or in the future, we have a channel dedicated to Apple nerds. And it's, I don't know, Jerry, I think you started this channel a while back and I was like, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, I, I'm an Apple nerd too, but I, I never thought we'd actually have like <laughs> deeper commentary in there because we've never traditionally been, you know, Apple fanboys or Apple fan people, so to speak. I mean, definitely users, but never like right. we got to create content around Apple. As a matter of fact, this is the first time we're ever doing anything event ish live alongside of Apple's events. This is the Correct. first for us. And we're doing yes. a spotlight, which is great. But yeah, my mornings are typically a little later. You know what? In the in the words of Gary Vaynerchuk, embrace who you are. <laughs> if you're going to sleep in a little bit, kill it the rest of the hours of the day. And that's what I do. I work my face yeah. off when I'm up. Well, you're awake now. And I think uh, I definitely woke up as soon as the announcement started because there was a whole bunch of stuff that was announced. Everything that that was announced was exciting. The only kind of downer portion of the event uh, for me, like where I lose interest and go start merging pull requests is during the Apple retail section, but that's just not my bag. But I want to say we haven't Agreed. covered Apple in the past. Um, oh, you see what I did there with the the, the bag? Uh, it's like my that. shopping cart. Um, we haven't really covered too much of the stuff in the past. We definitely are internally users of Apple products um, for different things. Of course, we also use other manufacturers products that being said and we know there's a lot of commentary around these events and around apple in general and we don't want to be a me too or an also ran in that category i think we want to bring a little bit different perspective because we are developers uh we are podcasters and we're really going to look at apple's announcements through that lens specifically developer focused commentary um, cause that's what we are and that's what we do. And because of that, I think this event uh, got us three super excited more so than WWDC, even though I'm typically more of a software person than a hardware person. So I tend to get geeked about WWDC, but man, everything here, I'm just like, yeah, shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> we need the hardware and we need, we need Apple to remain a company focused on hardware that delivers for creatives. And since we, since you just mentioned developer, uh, it may jump the gun a little bit, but the shout out to one password, such a dedicated team to great software out of Canada. Uh, Amazing team. They've, they've continued to be a number one must install application for literally all devices for me. So they got a shout out for that around the Touch ID section, which was later for the MacBook Air. And I'm, I'm definitely jumping the gun, but that was pretty cool. Let's just say if 1Password were, were publicly traded, I'd buy their stock right now <laughs> for sure. <sighs> Gotta love 1Password. Shout out to y'all for making awesome software. Let's talk about the event and what was announced. First of all, we'll just say up front MacBooks. <clears throat> if you haven't heard, brand new MacBook, much, much anticipated still. Uh, selling a non-Retina MacBook Air. Sorry, I said MacBook, but MacBook Air. Uh, Mac Mini, which was kind of the the most amazing part. And then an iPad Pro that is just like, holy cow, can I use that to write software? Because I need an excuse to buy that thing. Um, <laughs> but let's let's start where <laughs> Apple started with, with the Mac and with the MacBook Air. Uh, who's got the stats open can, can give us the rundown of what all 
this device. Sorry, eleven ninety nine now. Take yeah, it. Tim, tell us tell us about it. Oh, oh, um, shoot, I've, I'm caught off guard here, but uh, but yeah. So the MacBook Air it comes in in a whole new, one hundred percent recycled. Uh, aluminum enclosure, which was to me one of the biggest announcements uh, that had to do with the MacBook Air and and really all the the um, Mac announcements that they made. I don't think they they said the same thing for the iPad, right? I think it was assumed. If they, if they did, I missed it. They definitely called it out for the Mac Mini and the <clears throat> MacBook Air. Yeah. They, okay. I, I think that might be just a trend, and they sort of just pointed back to. And the okay. same recycled stuff, but the, I don't think they said explicitly no. What's, what's okay, cool so about the, that, though, is that it's it's now, I would say, a more sturdy body uh, than maybe previous generations. I don't know. It's an all-new alloy. I mean, leave it to Apple to go to such great lengths to say that it's not only from fully recycled aluminum, but also a brand-new alloy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And and now the MacBook Air only comes in one, in in one really option the thirteen point yep. three inch LED backlit display. Uh, I you know one of the one of the notes here that that was talked about was the um, the bezel. Mm. Adam didn't seem to really think that the bezel shrunk enough. I I disagree with that. I feel like this bezel this new bezel is is really thin. Um, I mean, uh, uh, it, it looks very similar to all their, uh, you know, other MacBook bezels, which, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how they could shrink that bezel more. Okay, fine, fine. Listen, I disagree <laughs> with my original agreement, okay, because that was based you on... You disagree with yourself. <laughs> yeah, I disagree with my original notes. I'm taking it, I'm taking it back. It was, it was premature. It was meant to be a future note, not a, not a declaration. However, I was bummed it didn't seem like it shrunk much. That's why I put in quotes much. Uh, you quickly disagree, which I don't disagree with your disagreement. But uh, in comparison, I did say that it also did shrink plenty, which is great because we always want less bezel around the screen. And you can see when they went from old to new, yeah, you know the, the bezel shrunk significantly. Plus, it, the original... Or their previous generation was uh, was the silver color, you know, around it. So you always had to compete with where the screen was. And I like now how the, it's become a standard of having the black bezel around the screen. Yeah. I think that's the best way to go. Regardless, it's definitely of what, better than the silver. Yeah, right. Regardless of what color you choose of a device, whether it's a, a 10s Max or a 10s or whatever, the the black bezel, in my opinion, they've given other colors. They've had white. They've had rose gold. They've had others. For different devices, and I think when you just put that black bezel around a screen, it's the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree. It, it, now they also brought in Touch ID to the MacBook Air, which is which is awesome. I I want Touch ID everywhere. To be honest with you, um, I wish that there was a way for them to put Touch ID in like you know their their Bluetooth connected keyboards. But I understand that that's you know from an engineering Security standpoint, that's probably too. yeah. Okay, so and here's, security, it's, it's here's one thing impossible. I want to say on this part here. That I know this is new. Do either of you own an Apple Watch yet? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The unlock feature from the Apple Watch to any oh, Mac yeah. is amazing. It's pretty great. Right? Yeah. I kind of prefer that over the touch. I'd like to connect and be me to the watch and let the watch <laughs> act as me. 
Yeah. So Sans Touch ID. However, I do agree that it is pretty cool to have Touch ID. So here's yeah. the here, here's the big point, I think, with regards to this particular feature is that on the MacBook Air, the brand new MacBook Air, which is not a pro device, it has Touch ID in the keyboard and it also has a hardware escape button. So there's no touch bar. <laughs> They've just put the touch yeah. ID in there, which is kind of what we all really wanted in the it's first true. place for the pros. And a hardware escape button. So I think a lot of developers, especially us Vim users, although I have adjusted to the touch bars escape, I just basically tap it like three times now instead of once. This is not the same though. Just to make sure that I, yeah, you can't really, (laughs) you just can't get the satisfaction of like just drilling escape in anger like you can with the hardware button. But I think this makes it very attractive for developers, especially Vim users, because they don't lose their beloved escape key. And get the advantage of Touch ID, although I admit uh, with the Apple Watch, I use a Touch ID less than previously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That being said, it is nice for um, Apple Pay and for re- points where the the watch doesn't work. Like they'll, they'll request a fallback right. authentication. Almost like zero. Yeah, it's almost reduced to zero for the Touch ID. If you've authenticated, you know, originally you have to start with your password and then you can use Touch ID from that point on. Similar to when you restart a phone with similar like and now it's face id where before it was touch id the cool thing on the developer front too is the accessibility 1200 bucks 1199 is a starting price i mean mm-hmm. most developers or even brand new people who want to come into the software world that's an approachable price right i mean several thousand dollars for a macbook pro is not whereas this is like it's pretty much all you need and you get the tactile escape key as you said you need not totally agree i've i've embraced the touch bar i don't love it but i think it's kind of cool it has future opportunities started to find like it's taken me about a year but i've started to find specific use cases like i like the emoji picker there's certain things where yeah. Uh, yeah. I like to I like if you're watching YouTube and you go into full screen mode or something, you still have access to the scrubber via mm-hmm. the touch bar. Yeah. There are just certain things that took like it took me a year, maybe nine months before I used it for anything except for angrily hitting escape. But yeah. it's starting to slowly like work its way into my life in ways that I could definitely live without, but in ways that I think are additive and um, not just subtracting. What's the entry-level MacBook Pro price? I'm trying to grab it because we talk about accessibility in terms of affording a device like this. I mean, 1200 bucks, which is the entry-level new MacBook Air, still isn't super affordable. I mean, it's still a high-end starting price. Yeah. Especially now that they have a Mac Mini that starts at 800 You can you know, cobble together an old screen and a keyboard, and you have an even, even cheaper way in to development. But um, definitely a cheap way at $1,199. Or $1, a nice price, but it's not like you can't get into development for cheaper, right, Adam? There's tons of other devices you could do. Right, the entry-level MacBook Pro, which is a 2.3 dual-core processor, all the specs, whatever, $12.99. So we're talking about 100 bucks more. Yeah. And actually comparing those prices as an entry-level, one, that doesn't include, that's the older uh, model, 13 inch that's sans the touch bar so 
you're not getting the latest gen. So if you if you look at it and you say, well, give me the latest gen MacBook Pro at the cheapest price, I think we're looking at seventeen ninety nine. Mm, That's the latest skip. quad core processor, eighth generation versus seventh. It's still an i five processor, but you know when you go over to the Air being eleven ninety nine, it's just it's an accessible price. Yeah. I I really do think that this this computer feels like the ideal portable developer machine because the the specs seem to be just right for what you would need to to do most development um you know web and and software at least and uh the 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 size of this thing is just wonderful. I think didn't didn't it say that it weighs like something like two point seven five pounds? I mean that's that's just crazy to me. Um, it. It's basically I, I love, nothing. Yeah, I, I love that it has it's two Thunderbolt, zero. two Thunderbolt three ports, so you can hook it up to an external display if you want to. Mm. Um, and and I also I love that they're doing the the three different colors, you know, especially space gray. I I wish they'd they'd make something matte black, but you know, I'll take space gray. So you're you're also Tim. You left this note for the Thunderbolt ports here, which was glad they did this instead of USB C, yeah, like MacBook. Which I right. totally agree because like if you're gonna give me USB C and not Thunderbolt three on a Mac, I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> Okay, seriously, like, yeah, who wants three, you know, USB 3.0 speeds or 3.1 speeds or whatever? Like, give me Thunderbolt three options or I'm super angry. Like, don't even give me the peripheral at that point, just take it away. Yeah, so and, and that's why I'm plugging in that you would like the Thunderbolt drives, speeds? primarily yeah, drives, drives and displays. Speed. Yeah, I guess, yeah, drives and displays or multiple displays. I mean, it, you don't want to plug in any drive. Uh, that has Thunderbolt 3 at USB 3.1 speeds. You just don't. In most pro cases, you're doing a RAID setup. And the point of it is, is access to an external drive that has a much more expandability at a cheaper than Apple price point with mm. speed. That's the point. And if you take that away, it's like just you should have kept it. I definitely agree. It's good to have it in there. I think for a yeah. MacBook Air, for an entry-level MacBook Air, which is now, aside from the new Mac Mini, is I think the cheapest way into an Apple laptop. Besides going back, you know, previous models are buying used. I could see where it, I mean, it's it's awesome that they put it in there, and maybe it didn't cost them any extra to do the Thunderbolt versus just the typical USB 3.1. I think uh, it comes awesome down to, to the motherboard. Really, is what enables that. So I think yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. sure what the what they have to do to engineer that, but it comes down to the bus and the motherboard speed and all the things it has to do in addition to say faster battery life, room for better speakers, all this space that just get munged into this 13.3 inch, you know, brand new aluminum alloy, hundred percent recycled, boom, whatever, you know, like <laughs> you got yeah. a lot to shove in there. And I, I agree. I'm really glad that they, they did whatever was necessary because I can't imagine what it is. I'm not that level of smart, but I do appreciate it because that's critical, critical. Like this machine, MacBook Air, in my opinion, is probably, I almost regret buying a MacBook Pro.
Mm. Let me throw out a few more <laughs> of these stats in agreement with Tim on the kind of the idea that this might be the ultimate in portable development environments. Uh, aside, unless you want to get something that's you know in the super low price range, because still twelve hundred bucks is not super low. But uh, like Tim said, two point seven five pounds, crazy light, which is seventeen percent smaller than the previous MacBook Air, which was the skinniest thing they made, anyways, in laptop size. That being said, I was wondering, like, are they going to keep the Air moniker because the MacBook Pros are so small now? Is the MacBook Air actually feel like it's airy? And I think <laughs> I think two point seven five pounds says yes. Uh, but the all-day battery life, uh, interestingly, 13 hours of movie playback and 12 hours of web browsing playback, which is crazy town, right? Yeah. So the web is just, oh, come on, web devs. Like, we're just killing people's batteries out there. And, you know, we know that we have GPU and other uh, mm-hmm. specific playback encodings on chips and stuff. So they're, they're optimizing video playback, whereas the web just uh, does its thing. Uh, I yeah, I didn't notice that, that. Actually, that's a good uh, good point. That yeah, you get an extra hour if you're watching movies versus if you're browsing the web. Maybe they should do that test with an ad blocker on, and you'll probably get a lot more <laughs> a lot more uh, web browsing. But is that wait, says, wait, hang on? Is that video on YouTube? Because <laughs> that is the know. web. If you at least if you got a browser open no. up, you know, because there's mm-hmm. no native YouTube app. That's true. I, I would. I would. Seen. Yeah, I would think that when they say video playback, they're they're talking about like Quick their time. native, yeah, yes. Quick time right something tense. inside of yeah, exactly. Well, I, I would say anyway. that's such a more controllable environment, right? Like you can control the H two six four H two six five codec so much easier than you can, you know, anybody can create it on the web web. Sure. Even you know? even then, though, it, even if they were talking about YouTube, I I don't think that that number would be. Like it, it would be a, a a more drastic hog on your battery necessarily because my only concern it, would be I, you know, ads is the rotation of ads. If you're like a non-premium YouTube uh, user, you're yeah. going to have ads. You're going to have other things happening inside the playback, yeah. which is like the smart clickable options and just like different things that would change the to a more dynamic video than say just a straight through codec. Sure. But still, but, th- those things are like hyper optimized, you know. Anybody and the web listen is definitely to not hyper optimized much? Huh? <laughs> I said the web and the web is not. I mean, that's yeah, the right. moral of the story yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Is music an, an important feature for you when you have playback with a, a device like that? Are you listening to much music from your actual MacBook speakers? Mm, not me personally. I'm either no headphones. I'm, I'm either AirPods or. Yeah. Most of the music I listen to is on my iPhone, which is next to me, right? I mean, I do, I do turn on music on the Mac, and I guess I listen to other speakers, but I just it's usually background noise, so it's not like a huge concern. But if they can get a lot louder, that's always nice. They have the hi-fi speakers. I, I miss most of that section, but I'm not sure what all that entails, but they're, the speakers are better than the previous generation. I would say that the speakers uh, are good in the cases of when you're doing conferencing with people. Because that's where maybe you have headphones on. You don't have to because they have noise canceling and like, you know, what comes out of the speakers and go back into the mic kind of situation. So hearing people better when you're on the road, which is the whole point of a laptop, mm. right? Is In this case, a MacBook, right? You got to be on brand, you know, is that you can actually hear something. Maybe you have your AirPods on. Maybe you have headphones on since it does actually have the 
headphone jack, which we haven't mentioned. They could have maybe gone a little thinner, I guess, if they remove that, which they seem to refuse to do on their their hardware. I mean, I, kudos to them because I still use it. But to me, like, <laughs> if I had to take, yeah. if I had to buy a brand new machine today that was like, okay, Adam, take this thing and it's your to-go studio, right? Maybe you could do some development on, of course, to-go studio, run audition. I don't do much in Photoshop these days. I can, I think based on the specs alone, and I'm just assuming here, I could buy a MacBook Air and still take it with me and do all the necessary audio creative things we do, Yep. as well as the development creative things we do. So, I mean, this would be an an all-in-one machine. I I do think you would only go MacBook Pro if you wanted to have, like, so much more RAM, so much more processing I was going to say, the real sticky point is the RAM. So, it maxes out at 16 gigabytes of RAM, which you can definitely get by on. But in 2018, for a brand new development environment, you may think, eh, 32 is really going to feel better. Um, The the SSD is fine, up to 1.5 terabytes. That's plenty for me as a developer. Um, maybe if you're not recording, you know, 4K video and using it in and out, but you probably have external drives at that point. Right. So I think I would ask, I was wondering, like, could I do everything I do on this device? And I would say yes, with the caveat of I might want more RAM. And then secondly, even my MacBook Pro, honestly, I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro last year's model. Even it, the processor gets taxed when I'm doing, not when I'm developing, except for during compiling and tests of course but it's like when i'm streaming and stuff like if i'm trying to stream to twitch and keep a skype call going and like doing these different things that's when my macbook pro can't handle it and i think man i just need something beefier i need a mac pro or imac pro describe so yeah. it. is this the fans or is it like it's it's literally like lagging. my cpu is like chilling at like 85 90 100 really? and my oh. fans are going off oh and my, my hands are, my hands are sweating because i'm on the keyboard the heat's coming from it yeah, the heat is I gotta on. I gotta take my T-shirt off, otherwise right. I start to you know pit out. Come on, that kind now. of thing. Keep it friendly. Okay, all right. That's I, that's that's hyperbole. <laughs> Paint a picture. I, I do think though, if if the if the MacBook Air isn't your primary machine, it, it is it is ideal for for what Adam just explained. Like like as a as a conference going machine, it's perfect. Absolutely, it's perfect. And I should also caveat that I'm chilling on 16 gigs of RAM on this machine as well. So I know what that feels like. And it's definitely like I can suffer it. There's times where I think I'm, I'm swapping. I have seen it swap. But for the most part, it's fine. It's not ideal, but it's fine. Yeah. The mobility, the portability. I mean, the thing is sexy as all get out. I love the way it looks. I think it's an excellent developer device. Hmm. Tim, you asked, I think in the notes of our doc, does the new MacBook Pro even have the T2 security chip? And it does. So they're mm. definitely bringing it home there to me. They didn't spare any expense. It, it doesn't seem, it seems like they, they, I would imagine, I would want to scrutinize the profitability level of this machine for them because they put <laughs> so much into it. And Apple is typically known for high margins. And that's what makes them a likable stock from the mainstream stock market arena. Um, not much of a developer conversation for sure, but you know, you got to sustainability is. So in that case, I would be curious to know what their margins are on this because they really have like put 
so much into it. And they've even given us way more by saying, okay, you've definitely revolted against the touch bar. We'll take it away, but we'll still give you touch ID. T2 security chip, decent RAM, decent CPU, all day battery life, you know, smaller, thinner, lighter, aluminum alloy, you know, all these things crammed into this machine. It's like they said, you love this machine. Fine. We're going to keep it. We're going to put everything we can into it. And we're going to love you back and give it to you for $1,200. We're going to love you back. We're going to love you back. You're anthropomorphizing quite a bit there. Well, I mean, people have been buying this machine, (laughs) even sans retina, because they love it so much. Are you, are you lonely? Do you need (laughs) love? Buy a MacBook Air. It'll love you back. That's uh, maybe you should work for their sales team. Uh, Maybe so. Just messing with you. So here, maybe it changes the question. So I, I think the question I've always asked myself when buying a new laptop is, can I get away with a MacBook Air? And I think maybe the question mm. now is like, why buy a MacBook Pro versus why not right. buy a MacBook Air? Because I think this is the the starting point for any decision if you're already deciding to go Mac OS. And uh, well, maybe it's, do I need a, do I need portability? Because then you might go Mac Mini at this point. But for laptops, Apple laptops, the question is, why buy the Pro? What, yeah. what am I getting there? Well, here you go. I'm going to go fully spec out a MacBook Air. Like, give it everything it can. Max it out. It maxes at $2,599. Woo, still expensive. Still expensive. But that's 16 grand, or 16 grams, 16, 16 gigabytes grand. of RAM. <laughs> uh, 1.5. Why the 1.5? Weird. 1.5 of SSD storage. And that's how you can tweak is just memory and storage. You can't tweak CPU. You're getting a 1.6 dual core eighth generation core i5 with turbo boost up to 3.6 gigahertz. It's decent. It's common. It's, it's common that lineup. I mean, I think the other reason you would go to a MacBook pro would simply be to tweak your CPU. Maybe you need those CPUs, need more cores, more than dual core. You know, you need four, you know, quad core or, you know, whatever further up. That would be the reason why is you need more CPU. So on the 13 inch MacBook Pro maxed out, it's 3,700 and you're still only at 16 gigabytes of RAM. That just seems like, what's the point? Uh, I've maxed one of those out. What about the 15 inch? I think things change. Don't even max that thing out, gosh. That thing gets really expensive. Yeah. The 15 can go up to 32, isn't it? Well, you can get to almost seven thousand dollars, sixty six ninety nine for a totally maxed out fifteen inch yeah. MacBook Pro. But the yeah, difference, and I there, think at that point you've got like sixty four gigabytes of RAM. I want to say, yeah, with 32. the fifteen inch model, thirty two, thirty two. Mm-hmm. So you can I go thought with two there. I thought with fifteen inch you could go up to. Doesn't seem so. 32 gigs is the max, at least on their options here. You are getting the upgraded Radeon Pro. I I think this is truly for somebody that's graphics intensive. Mm. I wouldn't recommend a MacBook Air to somebody who's really kicking it on Photoshop or into any sort of like 3D Max or anything that's that's just, you know, really GPU heavy. You know, many more monitors. I'm assuming this, at least on the monitor front, it may be able to be capable for like dual 5K monitors or something like that. But anything, I would say video, video people are not going to be grabbing this MacBook Air. They're going to try. But I think, (laughs) I think they may, they may have it for say, 
somebody who is on the video team that needs to do some stuff occasionally that that can be okay with puttering here and there. But yeah, you you could do quick, you could do a quick edit Pro. on on the MacBook Air. Yeah, I mean, you and know, you're going to embrace it. But a daily machine, you're gonna be like, man, this sucks. I'd, I'd right, spend right. the extra, you know, grand or two maybe to get something that's more capable. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like we were, like we were talking about before. You know, as a as a portable conference going machine, like you know, in for for what we do, I mean, you, we could totally do a quick edit of of a video on right. on this, you know, on location. For yeah, sure. so it makes it a, an affordable, can also kind of machine, but not yeah. daily. Definitely, mm -hmm. you know, affordable on that front, affordable <clears throat> on the weight front. Yeah, and I would even venture to say that uh, maybe our uh ai folks machine learning folks are saying this air is probably great for me too because you still have the necessary usb-c thunderbolt 3 ports so i can egpu it externally still yet and still get a you know for better or worse 1200 machine and still go egpu and add on things i'm assuming the io is there yeah. for those external ml tasks that you know this is still a dev friendly machine Mm -hmm. yeah, not the, to mention at those. this point, a lot of the real heavy machine learning deals you can run on an EC2 instance or on Azure. True. You know, the real heavy lifting, you usually don't run it on your laptop anyhow. And so you're just accessing the results. And for that, you're you're in good company here. Maybe we should move on to uh, part two because we could probably talk yeah. about the MacBook Air all day. Mm. But, Mac Mini. But come on, the Mac Mini. It's been five years, four years. Too long. too, too long. long. Seriously, <laughs> it, it seriously has been too long. I mean, as an owner of many, many generations, current owner of four, uh, as a matter of fact, we're speaking right now through a few MacBook Minis, or sorry, Mac Minis. Um, we use them as Skype machines every single day to do live broadcasts and to do our recording. It's part of a system that just works for us. So we have networked Mac Minis, four of them that all feed back into our multi-channel interface. They're essentially Skype machines. I call them cloud microphones, basically, because that's what it is. Each one is a cloud microphone. You know, it allows me to connect people in the cloud to here locally as a local mic via, you know, the uh, audio in and out. So if it weren't for those machines, our setup would be uh, just a little less professional, let's just say. I don't think we, we don't really need to upgrade to a Mac Mini. Or to this newest version. I don't think no. our needs in that case need this new Mac Mini. However, uh, for anyone holding on to who's bought the oldest trash can possible Mac Pro and just kept it because, you know, it, it does look sexy. It is a very nice machine. <laughs> and you've kept it uh -huh. or you've desired to keep it or desired to go back onto the market of eBay and buy one because you don't want to buy the non-existent Mac Pro now, and you want Pro-type server-related stuff that the Mac Mini of today, prior to today, real today, um, couldn't handle, then you probably either went uh, Hackintosh, you probably went PC, and you're uh, not to go too flavorless <laughs> in our show, and you, because the Mac Mini just didn't compete for you. Uh, or you pushed a Mac Mini, you just bought two versus one, I don't know. But the current Mac Mini is pretty freaking awesome so let, let's let's, let's, let's talk, talk about a little what bit. was announced yeah uh, of the of the specs so it starts with four cores 
you can go up to six cores. This to me feels like Apple is listening to to its customers. I, I just I was shocked that it stopped that it starts with four core four cores. Also, space gray, uh amazing. Again, I would love matte black, but I'll settle for space gray. Um 64 gigabytes of memory. Now, can someone explain to me what SO DIMs mean? No. Somebody who's not named Jared. <laughs> he okay. did make a point of saying it's got SO DIMs. So I'm sure okay, listeners I, out there know what that is, but I don't. Okay, because I, I didn't understand what, what that was all about. All right, so it starts with 256 SSD. You can go up to two terabytes. Also has the T2 security chip, which I'm wondering, like... I guess I I always felt that the T2 chip was mostly for uh, Touch ID, but I guess it's not. It it also does some encryption on the drives, right? To rewind a little, I can explain the SODIMS. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here on Wikipedia also looking up SODIMS. I I think it's worth mentioning just simply because, you know, it's, I'm assuming it's of similar speed, but not of similar size. So when you talk about the DIMMs that go in for the RAM, then the SODIM, they call it small outline dual inline memory module. It's the type that can be just a small alternative to the typical DIMM that you put into, say, maybe a laptop. Those might even, oh. you, know, you, you may be, you may see some laptops out there pushing it and doing the SODIMs in there. But in probably most cases, you're going with, uh, probably just full dims, if that's the case. You know? <laughs> okay. I'm so that's a dim is basically right a smaller, uh, smaller version of what's typically known as RAM. Okay. Form factor wise, at least. But your question was? Well, I, I wanted to know what SO dims was. So you, you answered that. Good, good. So they're basically just like regular RAM dims, but they're half the size. And so they fit better in the smaller spaces, like in the Mac mini. I don't know why right. customers would care so much. Maybe they're, they're popping them open and replacing them. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's definitely mentioned as an earmark for, Hey, if you plan to crack this open, you're going to deal with SO dims. And I'm assuming yeah. you can crack it open. I'm also assuming based on this conversation, or at least they've shown so far that the form factor hasn't changed because one yeah. thing that would really chat my butt, is if the form factor of the new Mac mini changes so much that you couldn't use all of the existing, listen, all the existing rack mount options out there for Mac mini yeah. currently. Yep. That would, so many people, we never cursed on this <laughs> show. Gosh, I don't even know what I'm saying that. It would, it would severely upset people. Let's use a more friendly term. Um, and we'll bleed that one out if we can, but it would because the, in most cases, sure, you want to get this as a bring your own monitor, bring your own keyboard kind of machine. Yeah. Uh, you know, from a price point, even more approachable, maybe even more dev friendly, even more brand new dev friendly, potentially at $799, open price. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a good price. It's better than twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. I I I also love sure. that they that they talked about uh, the thermal, uh, you know, thermal flow, um, because that, that, that's a big deal, especially for me on, on like my MacBook. it, it runs so hot sometimes. Um, and you know, if it's not properly, uh, aired and cooled, then, you know, basically your, your machine is not going to last very long. I love that. It also has four Thunderbolt three ports, 10 gigabit ethernet, yeah. Uh, I believe it has two USB-A ports as well. 
which um, yeah. you know, is is awesome to see. the The IO is just is just crazy cool, and like Adam said, the the price of seven ninety nine to to begin with is just wonderful. I I I was shocked to see them start at seven ninety nine. Well, if we rewind a little, it did start before at four ninety nine. So right. it's kind of terrible on that front. <laughs> kind of terrible. Well, I mean, four ninety nine difference on starting price is kind of terrible. No, no, no. Four ninety nine is the price bucks, that it is right now, though. Like, like the old generation is four ninety nine. When it was I mean. new, it, it yeah, but when it was new, it didn't start at four ninety nine. I think it might have. I think yeah. it was at four ninety nine, and then it went up to maybe six ninety nine. I can't remember the exact history, but there was an entry level four ninety nine because I remember thinking, get a get on the Mac OS or back then it was OS ten for five hundred bucks. That's that was kind of the sales pitch in my mind for a Mac Mini. Really? Let me just call yeah. Let me call out Apple a little bit here because <sighs> some oh of the stuff. I mean, this is exciting. I love that there's a new Mac Mini. Um, you know the 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 specs are good. But the marketing speech to me rings a bit disingenuous because they're like, it's five times faster. It's 60% faster integrated graphics. Like all these numbers, which are amazing, like 5x performance boost, 60% better graphics, 7.8x faster than uh, the previous SSD or, or the previous hard drive or whatever. Yeah. These are easy numbers to hit when you don't release an update for four years, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not that impressive. It's just because, done. right. It's because they haven't updated the thing in four years. Of course, you're going to blow the previous one out of the water. It's four years old. Probably comparing so. spinning disk versus SSD too. Yeah. In that case, definitely. Right. I mean, like it's, it, you can swap off pretty much any run of the mill <laughs> spinning disk to SSD and get that performance. Right. <laughs> It's not. I I agree with you. Do you want to? Do you want to know how hard or easy it is to get to be a forty forty one ninety nine machine? Well, you add a six core eight generation three point two processor, sixty four gigs of RAM, two terabytes of SSD storage, and ten gigabit Ethernet. That's how you get a forty two hundred dollar Mac Mini. Wow. wow. The fact that you can is great because yeah. there's some who want that form factor but very server, right? That runs Mac OS. I think that's the one key thing here. This is the only kind of machine you can max out to that level and run Mac OS. Anything else out there, you got to go Linux or, dare I say, Windows. <laughs> I mean, that's what gets me. When I run a machine in my house, I love Linux, but my familiarity is around Mac OS. Yeah. And I can hack around Linux, but my preference is Typically Mac OS because it's just the case for most cases for me. Now let me let me ask you a question because this is this is the question that I wanted to ask you before, and and let's see I want to hear both of your opinions on this. So I I am sick of using my MacBook Pro as my main machine. I I feel like after this after this day after this announcement, I feel like I could do most of my work off of a Mac Mini. And have a MacBook Air as my secondary machine for conference going and things like that. Would you agree with that based on the new specs that we learned mm. from this new machine? I think what I would wanna, hold me back would be that. on the video front uh, for you in particular. Because you may not do video every day is your part of your job, but, um, or even your day-to-day -day habits. 
you know, the graphics is probably missing there. It's definitely not a video-friendly machine. So I think once you get to that point, that's where a MacBook Pro or an iMac is better. And with an iMac, you get the screen built in, which shouldn't be frowned upon. And I'm not sure I would ever actually pay $4,200 for this machine. You'd have to be crazy. <laughs> well, you don't have to do that. What's What specifically is missing with the... When you say it's not for video, is it because yeah, the graphics, the GPU, yeah, the, the graphics the, card, the, yeah, the GPU, you need that. You need mm. a graphics card with, with, you know, I would say at least four gigs of GPU for decent video stuff. Anything that's in 4k, I mean, you're going to, you're going to be dropping frames left and right and uh, not very happy. The graphics is where it's missing. Dang. Yeah. What's well, in there? It's just an Intel graphics card. Intel no... UHD graphics 630, which uh, going back over to the air um, is an Intel UHD graphics 617. I'm not sure the spec difference between those two besides maybe, you know, uh, 13 numbers. So that's <laughs> it's, it. it's, thir- <laughs> it's barely 13 numbers better than the MacBook Air. Well, 617, 630, it's 13. So that's the difference there. I would just say that if you couldn't do it on an Air with that graphics, I can't imagine that the the graphics card in the Mac Mini is so much better than that Air's graphics card. So if we're talking about video on a MacBook Air, it's probably a similar scenario where you can, but what you want to do as your daily driver is the thing. So you're talking about in the case of replacing the need for a MacBook Pro. And I think it's still not there just based on that. Cause when you go to Dang. say a fully specced out MacBook Pro, which I'm assuming you may or may not desire is a Radeon Pro 560 X with, or, or 10, 560, 10, if you want to stay on brand with Apple, uh, with four gigs of GDD R5 memory. So big difference like that thing alone is going to handle all of your video performance. It's going to push your different uh, displays. It's going to allow you to edit in 4K and not drop frames. And you still have the option to push your RAM and push your SSD and have four Thunderbolt 3 ports, not three or two. Or The I.O. is really interesting. I think this is a... The Mac Mini, in my opinion, is probably a good fit in server-like installations or people who don't do graphics that need server-like scenarios. Something that's pushing, say, a NAS or, you know, Mm. RAIDs or something like that. It's your networked, you know, Mac OS server locally. It's maybe commanding your many, um, let's say you have a scenario where you have, I don't know if Mac OS server is still a thing. They don't talk about it much. I think it is still there. But basically, like, you know, you have the idea of Active Directory and Windows, where you have all the people on one machine and you and you manage the people in a local network via one machine. That's where this is going to thrive. And there's a lot of people who use it like that because you have a lot of Mac installs. Yeah. And as IT, you tend to have to go from machine to machine to machine, where in this case, you want to have a networked Mac server. And we've had to deal with a Mac meaning that, that wouldn't keep up and you wouldn't want to buy a Mac pro because maybe it's just too costly. So something in the middle there, I would imagine where the Mac mini fits in price point wise and capability wise, where you want to go. 
So the answer from Adam is no, because of video. Yeah. If you don't need video. Dang. Like me. Yeah. Maybe. Totally. Maybe you're there. If you're just audio, no video, maybe even lightweight Photoshop, occasional graphics manipulation. If you're doing anything where you're doing things in the cloud, um, because you're using it, that that's essentially like Citrix back in the day, client server, server based computing stuff. And if you're doing stuff in the cloud, then the Mac Mini would be a good option, you know, graphics wise, for example. So, so you're saying if I give up video, the Mac Mini would be perfect. It would be adequate. I can't say perfect. <laughs> well, here's the other issue with a Mac Mini, which is that now you have to go out and find a, a display, right? Which with a Mac Pro, you're getting a display built in with the iMac or iMac Pro. You have an Apple display built right in. There's no such thing as an Apple display right now, which we're all yeah. kind of hoping that they do that soon, especially with the, not, not the rumored Mac Pro, but the, the promised Mac Pro in 2019. Yeah. They'll go back to, I, I would, I would expect them to go back to building their own displays versus just saying use LG, which by the way, I have a third party LG display and Me it too. does not work very well with Mojave in terms <laughs> of plugging and unplugging it. It just sometimes doesn't get picked up. And I'm like, oh, if this was just an Apple display, it yay. would work 100% of the time. Yeah. Which makes me also like a world where I have a desktop and a laptop and not a multi-purpose laptop that I plug in and unplug. Right. Because it doesn't always work and it's a pain in the butt to do that. So I do like that world. I think I could probably live there as a developer uh, because I'm not doing video processing. But obviously with Changelog and our media content that we're producing, I would not want to put myself into a, a corner of not being able to do video editing. And so I probably wouldn't do it either, but it's a very attractive option. A, a, a Mac mini at the desk and a MacBook air, uh, in your, in your backpack. I think that's an awesome combo. I can say though, that you don't have to shoot 4k. And when I say video, I usually caveat that with most video folks are like us. They're pushing the edge. Yeah. Right. So I'm only the caveat. There is 4k. Like if you're not shooting, editing, in even 4K or 4K RAW or some of these, you know, higher end, much more sizable resolutions and you're shooting HD. Yeah. Then you're, you, you probably would get away with it. Just no problem. Well, the thing is I'm, I'm usually shooting in 4K, then creating uh 720p proxies, editing those, then exporting back to 4K. Yeah. that's a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, because it really is. Because then you get to manage proxies, and it is painful. Yeah. You know, I mean, because you still you have the you know here's why it's here's why it's painful. One, it's time consuming. It's a workflow right. thing that's that's usually a Tim thing. And if you invite somebody else to your workflow, now they got to adopt that as well. So that's just one piece. The other right. piece is the original size of the 4K, and then the smaller size, which isn't much, but still enough to add to the 4K size of a of a proxy file and then file management. It, it just gets to be error prone. Mm -hmm. So much nicer. You could just pull up the 4k footage and just literally push the space bar and go. Yeah. Um, I'm curious though, seven minutes ago, Corbin in our uh, Apple nerds chat room, he, he's, he does something interesting around when it comes to developer isms um, with the Mac mini where He's pushing a CI environment that's powered by GitLab that is 
Uh, he's using VirtualBox to run VMs for Windows and Linux. And then he's also got GitLab on the Mac OS. So he's got three OSs he's doing um, continuous integration for, which I'm not really sure of his use cases. We do plan to do potentially a uh, a backstage on this. So he hasn't said it yet, but I want to earmark that because that is one interesting thing where this machine can be used by, say, developers in an environment where they need to do CI or anything that's debugging on several platforms and mm -hmm. potentially offer that to the other folks in their network to utilize for those needs. Mm. Worth noting that Apple also gave a shout out to people who are running Mac minis in servers. So they're, they're very well aware that this is a thing that people are doing. What was the name of that company that 8,000 Mac minis racked? Yeah, Max uh, Stadium. Was the name. Max Stadium. That was right. Max Stadium. That was interesting. Very, very cool. And lots of different uses for developers. Like you said, uh, CI, you could have a build farm, especially if you're building for iOS. Uh, you can offload your compiles uh, and different Xcode things to Mac minis. Of course, there's live performances. You could use them for your home uh, media server. Of course, the Apple TV. And pl plus Plex may have uh, rendered that. Not, you know, of course, you could just run Plex. Can you run Plex on your Mac Mini, Adam? Well, <laughs> I mean, let's go back to the specs here. I think the answer is definitely getting closer to yes. I mean, I would say you'd probably want to max it out because Plex in a uh, transcoding scenario. So just to rewind a little bit. Plex is like a media server for your either home or business where you can do lots of interesting stuff. Let's just say that and, and cap it there. Go back and listen to a backstage near you to get the deeper details. But since you could bump to a 3.26 core processor, you're definitely going to get the transcoding you need from a native MK or MKB file, which is a full res HD file, typically 20 to 30 gigs in size. Uh, you don't need much memory. For Plex, really, you can you can get away with like eight or sixteen gigs of of memory. The CPU is really where it's at. Most of the stuff that Plex does is CPU intensive, which is why an Air would never work, but why say a bumped up Mac Mini. So in this case, actually, if I were configuring Mac Mini for Plex, and I didn't care about let's say onboard storage, I knew I had external stores that was totally adequate i could buy a 900 plex machine as a mac mini and be totally happy that gives you 10 gigabit ethernet 128 gigs of storage ssd storage when it's offered uh eight gigs of ram because you really don't need much you don't need it sure maybe you could bump yeah. the 16 at 200 bucks your price point that's 10.99 um actually i made a mistake there uh no that's uh Eleven ninety nine. Sorry, eleven ninety nine for the six core model. Wouldn't Not you? Wouldn't you be able to do that exact same thing with eGPU? I can't like, confirm. What, I? I don't know. Like what you're talking about? Probably I yes. I don't know. I mean, I really don't. I, I've never attempted to look into eGPU for mm. flex reasons. Uh, probably because of components. Really, the complexity. You know, if you can get a machine that just bumps your CPU up one level, why get eGPU? I guess if you had an older machine you wanted to retrofit and use, maybe. 
Oh, because you have a Mac Mini and you can't get a, a, a dedicated GPU on that thing. So you get an eGPU. Right. Yeah. That's why. I guess so. I mean, okay, so let's keep it the lowest price point, which is, you know, $799. And, but you'd have to consider how much an eGPU would be on top of that. Sure. Why not just add 300 bucks to your price point here, do $1,199 and no external or extra thing? Because it's not... I don't think it, eleven ninety nine, and then buy not a Mac Mini, buy something else. No, buy a Mac Mini at eleven ninety nine by just bumping only the CPU, keeping You're everything not bumping base. The, the GPU though, well, right. they, don't, they don't offer that. Well, That's with what I'm GPU, saying. You get that. That's what Tim's saying. Uh, you can buy your own external GPU and attach it via Thunderbolt, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, boom! Boom goes a dynamite. Let's see how much a typical that, that, eGPU that actually might solves cost. my problem too. Possibly, Ooh. like if you if, if you could get if you could get a Mac Mini and you spec it out to you know wherever you want in terms of memory and 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 solid state drives, then you you get an external GPU. Boom! You can edit 4K no problem. Okay, so here's the add on there. Right, is one. Um, I'm just referencing because it's quick to Google and it's on Apple, so it's trusted at least. It's a trusted point to start at. Okay. You may be able to go lesser on price and smaller on size. I don't know. I haven't done the research. But a Blackmagic eGPU, which is a very trusted brand name in the video world, so when it comes to graphics and video performance, this is trusted, uh, is six ninety nine, And it's like a little, it, you know, just based on the visuals, it seems like the older... Um, what was the, the, um, the Wi-Fi tower looking thing Apple had before? Extreme. Oh yeah. Airport Extreme. Airport Extreme. It, it seems very much like an Airport Extreme. Yeah. So if you can deal with one more plugged in device, $700 and this yeah. in particular eGPU, then sure. What Jared and you mentioned is, is, uh, is great. Or you can just add 300 bucks and move on with your life. Well, the nice thing with a Mac Mini is you have options. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that shows it right there. Yeah. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe the pricing, you know, you go crunch the numbers. It doesn't make sense to do an eGPU for that use case. But the fact that you have options, there's so many ports in the back. And I think the biggest deal with this Mac Mini release is just the fact that it's not dead in the, dead in the water. Yes. And Apple is updating it once again. Hopefully they don't wait four more years. Hopefully just give us spec bumps every year. You don't have to have a big <laughs> event for it. But just keep it updated. And yeah. there's lots of uses that we can go and use it for. So super exciting. Just the fact that we have a new Mac mini. That's, that's big news. Going back yeah, to one I, more spec on this, which we oh. covered quickly is the thermoflow. I think what that's going to offer you is, is quietness. So yeah. when it, when it comes to whether or not I can kick it on your desk, as we say, right? Like you mentioned, Jared, your MacBook pro still has trouble with Skype and several things happening. Your fans spin up. For those reasons, that's why we typically Google don't. Hangouts, I hate you. Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> these are the things. Like, I'm assuming what, it's part one of of just necessary cooling, but the double airflow that it offers now, I would imagine, cools it better and probably quieter than you know typically a MacBook Pro does. I'm just yeah. assuming that, just based on the form factor and having. Mac Mini's currently that, that I can't even hear these things over here. I got four over here that I can't even hear. Yeah, I I agree with Jared. I I think what what I love the most of of the Mac Mini is is the fact that it feels like obviously it's not dead. 
hopefully they'll they'll continue to update it. And it gives you options um, because, you know, the whole reason why I ask about this Mac Mini as a good option as my primary desktop computer is because I, I just, I don't, I don't know how to justify the $8,000 of an iMac Pro, e- even, even with the work that I do. Mm. Um, so, so it, it, it just, it's nice to see that there may be other options that are more affordable, um, that, that would get you maybe not the same performance, but at, at least performance where you're not pulling your hair out in, in frustration. So, well, I think on that front, um, you may be onto something, Tim, with the eGPU scenario, because I believe that those those will begin to be more and more price competitive and not very uncommon as a add-on to scenarios where you want to have more control. In this case, it's about control and less about yeah. like retrofitting because the reason why I think maybe the previous version of the Mac Pro fell down was because it did not allow you to uh, treat it as a componentized machine in a pro environment where you want to have control over CPU, GPU, RAM, storage, and it just packaged all in one really beautiful design, but very little versatility when it came to expanding it. Yes. They, they gave yes. you access to it, but it was the limitation on size. Like, whereas previous generations of Mac Pros were like these gigantic boxes, you know, like the old school way, you know? Yeah. And there's people who literally will retrofit the old school boxes into the new school ways and like make these new Hackintosh Macintoshes. It's kind of funny. So you might be on something. I would say that the price points on GPUs or eGPUs will get more and more competitive, especially as AI and machine learning, which is not a one-to-one, they will still be available to you. I'm assuming those are also similar where you can use them in a video environment and, and do what you're saying, which you get a Mac mini and uh, go to a eGPU. Yeah. Actually, um, looking here, it's if we're using say a PCI version as a price point example, like uh, an NVIDIA is like a hundred bucks for a two gig external graphics card. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're taking that kind of technology and making it more accessible from the Thunderbolt 3 peripheral. Let's talk about this iPad Pro. And can I just say it? The pencil attaches to the iPad Pro with a magnet and it charges the pencil. Woo wee. Yeah. That's the highlight. That's my highlight right there. I was just like, <laughs> that's so cool. I can tell you were really digging the attachment. Well, add to that. So it attaches magnetically right and it wirelessly charges right so yeah. it's always powered that's amazing i mean leave it to apple to go that far right that kind of detail is 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 led by them sure others do it man they they think about all the user experience so that's big in the in part of design and releases like it's not just hey this thing does this thing it's this thing does this thing in these ways yeah, well, remember the previous pencil? You had to plug it into the bottom, right? And like a dead center bottom, it stuck out. It was all dorky, and everybody made yeah. fun of them for their bad design. And Bunch I just thought, yeah, I mean, it was meme worthy. That was dumb. <laughs> but it was like <laughs> maybe that was just a setup to make the magnet so much better. When we see it, we're like, ah, oh, now they solved it. Have you ever seen the uh, comparison of the iMac iteration? As you know, I'm a huge fan of iteration. I say it all the time because it's like. 
people just see the generations as something that they see the final product. You know, let's say even the iPhone is not is a final product. You look at that versus Gen One to now. Like yeah. you would probably never buy Gen One given <laughs> what's available now, right? But like, it was a breakthrough, and. Yeah. Apple is such a long tail player, iterative kind of embracer, so to speak, that the iMac began as a freaking TV, basically a color <laughs> TV that you can see into. And that was cool. It was cool. With, with huge bezels too. Huge bezels, many colors, you know, an amazing machine. I've actually seen several of them and you know, it's, it's uncommon these days to see the oldest school, IMAX of anything, right? But then you compare that to an an IMAX Pro, and you take the picture of the IMAX generation from one, and all the visual differences and changes from then to now, and you just see it basically get thinner and thinner and thinner, bigger and bigger and better and better. And that to me is like this pencil idea. You're like, you know, previous generations, they they're like, you know what? Hey, we we're releasing this this today. And we can already predict 2018's release in October. We know it's going to attach via magnetic. We know we're going to offer the wireless charging. And we'll take one of the nose today, you know, <laughs> f- from the pundits and the memes. You know, yeah, that's mm-hmm. Apple's braveness and willingness to embrace that and take that and say nothing. That's so I'm cool. glad that they're also... You know, I I don't think they've ever done the different colors with iPad Pro, but I I just feel and I I think we touched on this before with with the uh, MacBook Air that the black bezel just looks so nice. And and now that it's, you know, almost edge to edge, which, you know, we should quote uh, Jared on this one, Mm -hmm. right? One with 100 percent less notch. Mm-hmm. It just it just looks so nice and sleek and stylish. It looks spectacular. They've made it thinner. They've added the, this magnet-based charging of the pencil. Of course, all the specs are upgraded. One thing was even a thousand times faster. And you know, unlike the Mac Mini, where it's been four years, <laughs> and so it better be faster. This is from like last year's model. Yeah, it was a very specific context. I can't remember what that was about, but it's like, come on. A thousand times faster. The presenter even said that is nuts. Yeah, because it really is. Any sort of uh, improvement like that. We got USB-C in the bottom. Uh, We've got Face ID. It's 5.9 millimeters thin. I mean, you know, let's let's address the elephant in the room, which Sir Tim Lee said uh, during the event in our Apple Nerds (laughs) chat. You still can't do web dev on it. So from from our developer perspective, it's potentially falling apart. But in, in this particular piece of hardware right now unless you're doing um swift mm-hmm. playgrounds but man this thing is cool i mean it's just so i i was not ready to be impressed by an ipad pro release today it was kind of an afterthought to me i figured <laughs> yeah they'd spec bump it it'd be fine it'd be the next ipad i don't own an ipad i've had an ipad i gave it to my wife and moved on but man this thing is hot i, I mean i like the mention of the playground yeah. swift playground because this is an 800 dollars swift playground machine if you're just getting it for development yeah right i mean most businesses can afford that and would afford that and just hand them out and be like go learn swift playground yeah, go learn swift 
Play yeah, but that. I think Swift Playground is uh, playgroundy enough that it's not going to take you the full length of where you need to be. Mm. I mean, until you can run Xcode on this and it's built to run Xcode, right? Yeah. You're not going to be doing development on this aside from introductory learning things like Swift Playgrounds. So it's a starting point, but it's not, I mean, a Mac Mini is a much better purchase at the same price point. So you're a developer, right, Jared? Correct. Okay. And you got excited by this? Uh, as a human. As a human. <laughs> yeah. what, what about the developer side of you got you excited? Anything at all? That's Anything? my point. Is not really. No, I mean, no. AR? <laughs> AR. Uh, now, we, we, we kind of uh, laugh at that, but I made a note here. I've seen Spielberg use this AR stuff to create spaces. So, like, space creators, meaning sure. people designing spaces, which they showed off with with Adobe and whatnot. I think that's an area where we think it's only AR and gameplay in the future and all that stuff around that. It's kind of like, eh, not that much to me, but the way Spielberg used AR to jump in and into scenes for ready player one, because all those were CGI created. That's an area of developer that we cater to tangentially now more so than we had before that I'm just curious of your thoughts on. I mean, AR definitely has potential. I think the only real valuable space for it in the kind of programming that I do is mostly web development. Uh, Shopify has done some interesting things with AR and enabling that for their customers to do you know, e-commerce sales. I think it's a perfect pitch for uh, that use case where it's like, here is a product, you know, it's a vase. Um, I'm not sure how it will look on my table. Well, here is the AR, you know, ified 3D right. rendering of that vase. You yeah. can now put that into real space and see what it looks like and then click buy and pay with Apple Pay. And it's a pretty cool demo. I think it's actually a very valuable use case for like getting sales because if a customer doesn't have to be in a store, they can be on their iPad and can actually envision what this product will look like in the room they're sitting in. They're way more likely to buy it, right? As opposed to having to drive to Beth, Bed Bath and Beyond, or I don't know where you buy vases. Uh, s- some store. I, I believe it's pronounced Vaz. Oh, I'm sorry. Vaz. It's like, it's like four. Kind of it's, it's like four years, and you guys are like. I believe it's a four yay. I'm like not where I come from. I'm from uh, four years. America. We we just sound things out where I come from. Um, oh, I think I was the one who told you that. Yeah, that's true. And you're in Portland, the middle. Yeah, in Portland. In of all Portland, places, I so. told I told you it's four yay, not four year. So we can see the sophisticated ones amongst us. That's right. Uh, not the Nebraskans. Can, so can I, can I play Suze Hinton for a second, please? Can meaning, you place her? Meaning that she's the kind of person that goes on JS Party and has crazy ideas and shares them with the public. Oh, yes, sure. please do. And so I'd say AR might be interesting if for the SVG creators out there, where you can create an SVG on an iPad Pro, potentially using interface-driven type toggles because SVG is is very much like a visual thing, right? And use AR to step into your layered SVG, like somebody who's doing some serious stuff, Mm -hmm. right? There's been SVG games, SVG interactive stuff. And as we get into a world of, let's say, React Native and SVG doing some interesting stuff and all this graphic-driven stuff that comes back into, say, Storyboard or react native or different things like that like that may be an interesting world where ar becomes a player 
Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm just assuming or pontificating in this point. I, I don't know, really. Um, what do you think? I would say potentially, yes. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. There's almost nothing so far of AR that really impresses me. So I, I, I feel, I, I don't feel adequate to, to respond to that. I think that the only, the only real thing that involved AR that I thought was really cool um, and, and that felt useful to me so far in the demos that Apple has done was, uh, I think for WWDC, they invited someone on with like a, an app that allows you to monitor your, your shooting in basketball. Um, yeah. that, that I thought was pretty cool, but so far, a lot of the demos just feel really gimmicky to me. I it's definitely I'm, a technology looking for problems, and I think the problems will arise. Like you know, yeah. everyone's saying like a, a solution looking for yeah. problems or whatever that saying is. Yeah, and and a lot of it is like look at this cool technology, but it's I think right. it's a scenario where you need the technology to lead the way versus the problems to lead the way and to get people's ideas going. I think give it three to five years, I think we'll see some killer apps for AR. Right now, like the most killer thing we've seen is you know, Snapchat filters and, and Instagram <laughs> stories, like draw yeah. a, a, a dog on your face kind of stuff. That's basically that and gaming. I haven't seen any games that have really taken the world by storm besides, I guess, uh, Pokemon Go, where they put the, you know, the Pokemon out there on your screen. That's yeah. basically what we've gotten so far. But I do believe that there's actually, you know, there's going to be that thing. It's just not here yet. There's a could be economy out there, actually. You know, if you can create on an iPad Pro and sell what you create on an iPad Pro, like, uh, let's say, filters or whatever, if that was a mm-hmm. a sellable market, you know, you can, I'm going to just assume that you can probably easily make 50K to 100K a year as an iPad Pro creator of some sort. I quit. Right? I'm I mean, gonna go, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and that's a respect of living for people who didn't have that. I think it's less about like, it's a lot of money and more like it's accessible. Right. Yeah, Cause like yeah. starting at 800 bucks and thinking outside the box far enough. And let's say you can be a sticker creator, a digital sticker creator for say messages or a um, watch face creator for Apple watch simply on an iPad pro. That's if that's possible ever because of, you know, taking all the interesting things that the iPad promised. And now the reason why you have the pro added onto it is, is the necessary pro features like, you know, the cores and the speed and, you know, USB-C, whatever the pro moniker adds to it to creators who visually create, then, you know, it's what Tim said, which was, it's like, or no, who said that? Phil Schiller. It's like a computer, but unlike any computer. Right. Oh, it, it you you got to say Tim something. Cook, man, because I, I, I think you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, wait, what did I say? Tim Cook. I thought it was Tim Cook, but it was it was Phil Schiller. He says it's like a computer, but unlike any computer. Yeah, and that was in that sales right video, which Apple's yeah. the master of sales videos, in my opinion. There's no I company agree. better out there that can like create a video that one is super cool. You probably watch it two or three times. Yep. And then it also makes you say. Take my money. <laughs> well, this this is something I said for the MacBook Air uh, in, in our in our doc. I said the 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 MacBook Air video is peak Apple. It's it's basically just the product breakdown 
but it's beautifully art directed. And that really goes for all of these videos. Mm -hmm. There's one mention here for developers. We can't forget is gaming, right? They showed off, they did, they did a demo, mm -hmm. which I think was more towards less about here's how awesome this game is and more how awesome the device is as it relates to the display sure. and its abilities to do this massively, you know, visually detailed game. Jared, you said something where you said if uh, if this had a first party controller, yeah. gaming would be better. What, what did you mean by that? Because like we all know developers of gaming, most developers, sure. a lot of developers come from a gaming background because they that was their first entrance into tinkering. Yeah, I mean, I myself am a uh, well, maybe a retired gamer as I have uh too many children to game anymore actually it's not true about my my boys love playing games with me but um i have less time free time disposable time as i used to i used to game <laughs> all day every day back in yeah. the day the good old days um yeah i mean so there's a certain class of games that work well on mobile and these are um cinematic uh, you know uh, kind of uh, explorative games um uh, some strategy games Anything where you can, you know, point and move slowly a, an object through space, right? Or just like straight up word games, like the the typical, I don't know, non-deep, shallow, enjoyable, fun games, kind of like popcorn games. Those are all fine. But serious gaming, and specifically the reason I thought of it was the the demo they were showing today was like an NBA, I don't know what the name of the game was, like 2K something something. But it's basically like, you know, you're playing as LeBron James and, you know, basketball is a fast game. This is a fast twitch kind of game where you're directing a player around and you're hitting, you like to be hitting buttons to like invoke certain moves, dribbling between the legs, a spin move, like when to shoot. And a touch device is never going to be a good uh, interaction for a fast twitch game like that. No. Similar, mm. similar with shooters, anything where it's fast twitch. You do not want a touch device so um because of that i think it's very much limited the types of games that are on ios and on android to the kind of games i'm describing plus you know a few others i'm not thinking of but these are not the just i don't know what people call them hardcore games i'm not sure what the title is but a game like that is not going to be fun on an ipad no matter how fast it can render it or how many frames uh, per second, you know, how smooth it is and how much that actually looks like LeBron James, it's not going to be fun unless you have <laughs> a gaming mm. controller, you know? Yeah. This is why the consoles, uh, uh, or maybe have a full on keypad in the case of, you know, a call of duty or a uh, style game or a Fortnite, where you want to have the, the full on WASD controls, like all these buttons, right? Mm. Zero buttons is not the right number of buttons. I have an area where I believe they're missing out and, and it could be something that you go, Oh my gosh. When I say it. Okay. I'm, I'm getting excited. But let's Don't. see. So we're familiar with the Nintendo switch, right? Okay. Uh, I'm very familiar. Yes. Okay. And we can kind of agree that a lot of kids love that. It's, I think it's been sold out every time I've ever thought about even just looking at it for as a gift, not even for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Price point is three hundred bucks, right? Okay. But if you break down the iPad Pro, it's seven ninety nine. But it, it's so many things in one that if you start to divide what it is for a future creative, it can be so many things in one. So it could be 
a much better version of Nintendo Switch, right? If you mm. can just take what is really the the thing with the Switch, if I can understand correctly, is like you can take the Switch, drop it off on something, and suddenly it becomes the power the powerhouse of a bigger display. Then you can remove it from that and take it with you and attach the controllers to it, and then now it's a personal gameplay that's networked. That's the iPad Pro. Mm. The the display is phenomenal. It's sure. got USB C, so that's fast. It's next gen. It's future gen. You know, in terms of like the next uh, hookup point, you got the pencil. You got all the necessary graphics in it. You got the gaming store. You got you know all these things that Apple's already got. Like if you ask me, they're missing out on stealing Nintendo's lunch. Like literally stealing it. <laughs> Mm. That's just an it. assumption, though. Just an assumption. I missed it. Did you say a first-party controller? Is that? Is it, did you include that? In well, I, I just think you have to assume that. Like, I think Apple's missing out by not, and maybe. Well, absolutely. Maybe there's something behind the scenes where eventually they buy Nintendo, and eventually, you know, Nintendo Switch becomes an app, not a platform, inside of iPad Pro. Hmm. I I don't see that future. Um, I don't yeah. think Nintendo will sell. But I mean, I think this was a huge missing point with the Apple TV and as a gaming platform, because they said you can bring your own controller. Like no one's ever going to build a game that requires a remote on a platform that doesn't require a remote. Like you need a first party official in the box remote, not even like an accessory. I don't know about that. I I do know about that. I'm pretty (laughs) sure about that. If If the accessory is, is affordable, I mean, most gaming systems come with one. Yeah, one right? is, I think that's I think one is table stakes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So give me one at least, which they do. They give you the one that does most does? things. The game part of it not so well. Hey, I could play CrossFit all day on the typical. That's not a video game right now. It's, it's a remote though, no, so we got gotcha. not a gaming. <laughs> gotcha. No, that that is not a game. I'm controller. only messing around. I agree. I I do agree. I think if they could just take it one level further and say, not only is it this, but you can buy maybe say the game version of it or add it in the process of buying an Apple TV. Like maybe it's not default in every one of them, but when you buy it similar to a computer, you can bump up the CPU or RAM. You can bump up the peripherals that they add to it. And it is first party. I agree. If they did a controller first party, yeah, uh, they can own the gaming world. It's still, It's a great display. It's great graphics. Why not? pushing the gaming there maybe they're just not ready yet maybe they're playing the long game and eventually they'll get there for now i don't know if they i don't know if they care so much i may my other thought is maybe it's a billion dollar industry well they're already the biggest company in the world they're doing pretty well with hardware but and i I mean as a as not a a company you're saying apple i was thought you said Uh, esports no i'm thinking about apple (laughs) no i no i agree it's huge yeah i just think you know apple is the hugest and that we all talk about focus amongst the things that we try to do. So maybe it's a focus thing. Yeah. Maybe I think they might have blinders and they might think that what they're doing is already good enough because look how great, you know, iOS is as a gaming, like all the top games are, or all the top apps are games. And so many, so much gaming is happening and all these things that I think they're kind of right. maybe ignoring the more um, immersive, interactive, <clears throat> deep, you know, hard, harder core games because they think they're doing all right. I don't know. I I would like to think that it's a focus thing uh, because I, I feel that that's when Apple is at its best, when it focuses on things that 
it can do really well. Um, and it, and it does a lot of those things already. I, I wanted to talk also about, uh, some of the other features that, that were very appealing to me of the iPad pro. Um, not, not so much from a developer standpoint, because like, like we've already said, you know, there's, there's not a ton on the developer end that, that maybe is, is exciting. I don't know if that's the word necessarily, but, um, as a writer, oh my goodness, iPad pro is, is, uh, is pretty exciting. I mean, I, I can do a lot of writing on the go and the new, their new, like smart keyboard folio thankfully covers the back side of the freaking iPad. Um, I don't know why that wasn't a thing with, with their last generation of iPad. I'm glad that, that it's now a thing. Uh, it's got two new angles, which is pretty cool, depending on whether it's on your lap or on, on the table. And, and I find that uh, particularly important. I'm a man, I'm a man of substance as some like to say. So, uh, having something on my lap is not the easiest thing for me. Um, but I, I think the new angles might, might help a little bit with that. Also USB-C for me was a big feature because it, it now allows me to connect my camera directly to the iPad. So, you know, it, it, like with a trip that I just took to London, for example, for, for sustain, I can just hook up my camera directly to the iPad, import my pictures, edit them on the iPad, uh, you know, in, in Visco or, or whatever other editing app that you may like, and, and then post them. I, I mean, that, that's so awesome. I, I'm so excited for that. Um, and, and also, like, the charging capabilities of USB-C is, is really fun so that I can charge my iPhone on the go. So anyway, those were, those were some of my highlights of the iPad Pro. So let's close with this. We've had three big new purchasable products announced today. We've had the all new MacBook Air, the all new Mac Mini, and an all new iPad Pro. Hypothetically, you can only buy one of these three devices, but you have to buy one. So you can't say no, you have to buy something, but you can't buy all three. You have to buy just one. Which one do we buy? And which two do we leave at the store? Well, when you say we, are you saying we, or are you saying individual needs? <laughs> I'm saying you, Adam, and then you, okay, Tim, and then gotcha. me, Jared. Okay. Yes. Cool. Which one are you going to buy? Who's going first? Well, I'll go first because mine's a pretty easy decision. Um, I'm, I'm getting the iPad Pro because <laughs> I don't have one and it looks really fun. Um. The Mac Mini is awesome. I already have a pretty new laptop, so I'm not going to upgrade my laptop anytime soon. I may eventually get a Mac Mini for kind of a home server situation because I'm using a previous laptop as a server, which is not ideal, and I think it's probably not going to last. So the Mac Mini would be my second. Um, I have a pretty new MacBook Pro, so I'm not on the on the prowl for a new laptop, but I am iPadless. This iPad Pro looks spectacular, and I would buy it. There you go. Tim, you're trying to buy oh, all three of these. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a hard question for me uh, because I, I feel that uh, to me, this, this whole, this like whole announcement day was, was Apple listening to, to what it is that I feel like people want. But um, I, I think I'm going to go iPad pro too. 
because you know we've talked a little bit about my different needs uh, here at here at ChangeLog and and what I need out of a machine, and I'm not 100% sure that I could I could do with a Mac Mini yet. Um, I think a MacBook Air for traveling would be amazing, but um, yeah, I'm going iPad Pro too. It, it looks awesome, and uh, it's it's wonderful. It's just it looks so beautiful, and 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 the USB C features to me are are really mm-hmm. cool too. So, what about you, Adam? I'm going countercultural, man. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. All right, none of the above. What? what? Yeah, I'm gonna resist. You gotta because, pick one. You're oh, breaking the rule, man. Okay, yeah. I have to. I have <laughs> That's to. What I, that was the rule. Okay, you gotta so pick it, one. It, barring no rule, I would go with none of the above because need is not true in this case. Want, however, is true, and I would say the Mac Mini because it uh, it has so many more uses for the things I could need it for. Um, I think that it's obviously for all the reasons we've already talked about, it's, it's amazing for developer stuff, but I think for a home server where you're building out more of a smart home, which is sort of a hobby for me, you know, but uh future backstage content. So it's kind of like one of the both in, in a sense, that's where I would probably go with the MacBook or Mac mini because the MacBook air, it, is while it's amazing, I already have a MacBook Pro and I'm more of a pro user than a air user, although I can admit where the air would shine and where the pro would shine a little bit brighter. And I'm not sure how marginal that little brighter is for use cases I have. I'd say Mac Mini. Hmm. And it would be rack mounted. <laughs> and it would be 10 gigabit. I'm not really sure about the memory or the storage. I'd probably bump the CPU just because, like, if you're going to get a machine that can, and it's just a small jump on the price point, that's where you should push it for sure, Um, especially in the case of potentially Plex. So that would be really it. Mm -hmm. And then I would also, as after I bought the Mac Mini, I would then go and change from Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3 RAID arrays, because currently we're using Thunderbolt 2, which, as we know, is a little slower. Thunderbolt 3 is so much faster. Uh, I would probably then go and bump up some of the RAID arrays we have from Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3, and maybe even go from 2 to 1 RAID array. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Less around need and more around future-friendly. Right. You know, because it'd just be so much faster. Uh, we talked about in our um, editorial meeting yesterday about the the needs for you all, you and Jared and other members of the team to have access to the archives, the infamous changelog archives, which have <laughs> been so well kept over all the years. We literally have every podcast probably we've ever produced as an archive. We can go back to literally episode number one and remaster them all. So if you want to be a uh, a future lover of us we have some things coming in store that you may be able to power the future remastered archives of the change log because we're gonna have uh 
this Mac Mini in place because Jerry's just making me buy it, of course, and World <laughs> Three, of course, and Raid, of course. That we'll have uh, we'll have some networked ability for Jared, Tim, and others to uh, to be able to access that archive in its original form. Uh, right here from the Changelog headquarters here in Houston, Texas, which is not really a headquarters. It's a data headquarters, if anything, you know. Why don't you just put it on like S3 or something? Uh, that would take way forever, bro. Why? Like way forever. I mean, we're talking about like at a minimum, most of an individual show's archive is one, at least potentially several gigs. So like, we're talking about. It just you have took fast me, upload, bro. I just I just moved nine point two five terabytes across the network. It took fifteen hours. Yeah, it'll be the one, internet. It'd be one big backup first. I mean, have you ever done like backplays or whatever? It's Not like takes you thirty days, and then what? No. You don't need to have a central Houston headquarters. You just have an, a cloud. I do. I have a fiber connection right to AWS. Yeah, so <laughs> upload that stuff. No, to AWS. We don't have that. It would be cool. I don't think it's. Um, if I don't somebody see why you would ever want to have to hold that on your own network. Like that's just such a liability there. I like it. I like the liability. Yeah, but your house burns down. You're screwed. It's not gonna burn now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds like a good game plan. No, it won't burn down. If it doesn't exist in three places, it doesn't exist, and one of those places has to be not geographically local. If just we had a fiber store somewhere or a fiber access to something externally and, and it would take maybe two days to get a, even then, I mean, this is a whole different subject. We're talking about disaster recovery, which is such a deep topic and one that I'm somewhat familiar with. Well, I we don't can go backstage on this, but it's super easy for you to just get that onto a cloud and then you're just additive at that point. You're just adding new episodes. You don't ever have to do that 10 terabytes again, but you can pull it down whenever you want. So uh, look into it. We can backstage that, but we can let's, back, let's, let's wrap this that. one up as we've switched topics away from Apple hardware to why you need to be in the cloud. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let us know what you think of this episode. Of course, next time Apple has an event, if y'all like this, we will continue to do this. We like to nerd out about these things and more. We do come nerd out with us, not just about Apple stuff, but about all things software, open source, developer, you know the kind of stuff that we talk about. Changelog.com slash community. If you're listening to this on the Spotlight feed, which is changelog.com slash Spotlight, realize that we have a master feed. That's where you can get all of our shows. If you like this show, if you like any of our shows, you will probably like all of our shows. So definitely check out changelog.com slash master. It's nice. You can remove all those Changelog subscriptions out of your podcast app and just put one in your podcast app and get all of our shows. I mean, that's almost too good to be true right there. So check that out. Uh, closing thoughts, guys. One feed to rule them all. Nothing for me. That's my closing thought. One feed. Change slash master.